Hey guys, just a heads up, this is a not safe for work podcast, so keep it in your pants until you won't get busted. <laughs> Orgasmic Terrorist, a podcast about acceptance around becoming authentic within our sexual exploration. Orgasmic Terrorist. Welcome to Orgasmic Terrace. Jenna and Sarah's here. Hi, guys. When I started to think about this podcast, one of the things that I wanted to do was learn because I was raised very vanilla. <laughs> but I bring that up because I only thought it was like there was heterosexual, homosexual, and bisexual. That's it. But when I got into the world of BDSM, I found there's a whole lot more sexualities as well as titles like things you can call people and roles you can play part of role playing can we talk about that today we can are we diving into the whole bdsm roles but just explaining a base level is that what we're talking about i love that i'm in let's do it because i think one of the things that i appreciate learning in the very beginning was the fact that you know a fetish actually could be a level of play Because we talked about in our last podcast about our private lives and whatnot. But if you like being a submissive in your private life, there are many different names and titles that you can go by. Many different levels of submissive. I think that's why I wanted this to be number two in our episode so that we could get some terminology down. So later on, when we start talking about things with other people, we didn't have to stop and recover. I understand that. And to be honest, like we all started at Baseline Vanilla right? Which we'll give a description for. We all had to start somewhere. And then again, I just, I get so tired with these gatekeepers of like how it's supposed to be and how it's supposed to look and how this and how that, and this is only okay, or this is not okay. That's just not true. There is shit out there that I have zero interest in. And honestly, I have some concerns for the people that are interested in doing those things only because of the level of trauma that it could bring and maybe the trauma that has not been healed and maybe is perpetuating an unhealthy thing. However, I'm not going to be the asshole and be like, this is fucking blah, blah, blah. I can definitely be like, definitely not fucking for me. Definitely not for me as you can, but I'm never Mm going to tell anybody how anything is appropriate for them. It's just not the thing. And we find this throughout even King, like in ethical non-monogamy and the titles that we get there, which is like polyamorous or novogamy or this or that. Everybody is a gatekeeper and they want to tell everybody else how it's properly done or shit on them for not doing it in a way that they feel is properly done. So we're not going to do that here. You will hear Sarah and I very much be like, oh, fuck, that is not for us. And we might (laughs) giggle about the wild audacity of it. But if that's for you and you feel like you're doing this in a healthy, happy manner, everybody else just needs to shut the fuck up, right? It's <laughs> it's for you. It's not for me. I don't have to live your life. I'm definitely going to have questions because I want to know. But, I am too. I, you know? I absolutely love questioning people about it. I'm like, oh, oh, I don't want to judge you, but I want to learn from you. I may not be into it, <laughs> but well, I, I just think it learn. gives an opportunity for greater understanding and better being able to show up and be supportive for people on such more intimate levels than what we normally do. If I'm just going to sit here and be like, you do that, 
that's fucking gross. And then that's going to formulate that opinion of you to me. That is wild. We're all here trying to ask everybody to be supportive. And then the first time people get opportunities, they're like, you're a piece of shit or this is fucking whatever. No, that's how you feel. It's not how they feel about themselves. So for me, it's all about greater education, greater understanding, better ability to be intimate with people in conversations or in the bedroom and just being able to show up for them in the ways that they need. Maybe that's just a conversation. And just if you're willing to talk to me about your shit that I don't do, fuck yeah. I just want to know. That's Maybe that's a kink. I just want to know. <laughs> we'll find out what that kink is. <laughs> I think. Maybe there's a term for it. Right. Voyeur? I don't know. I definitely am a voyeur. I love to do it yeah. in all aspects of life at, at times. I'm a yeah, voyeur I think that's too, where but... we're, yeah, yeah, right? We're just trying to be here and just give some base role identifiers so that going forward in this season, people have a dictionary of speak. Oh, wait, it's a kinktionary. According to FetLife. (laughs) According to FetLife, let's give the shout out. And I love that. So anyway, why don't you start us off? We discussed vanilla. Just so we have the baseline, we have vanilla. Vanilla is? Vanilla is a person without any identified kinks or fetishes. So basically where we all start in our sex life, most likely. Not that some people didn't rip run out the gate, but mostly we're all started vanilla because we don't know until you try and you don't know until you experience and you don't know until you're exposed. I was reading when we were doing research for this. I love the Urban Dictionary's version of it. It says a member of a boring sexual majority. <laughs> See, there we go with the shaming shit again. Know, like it's right? funny and it cracks me up, but it's so fucking shitty because there's literally nothing wrong with being vanilla. We're not here to make you shift your right. views on anything. This is all informative. So to me, if you have a, a you don't have any identified kinks, there's fucking nothing wrong with that. If you are happy and healthy in your sexual life and your identity, again, everybody else can shut up. You do not have to be into anything at all. The rest of the line goes and have no idea of raging sexual parties or fetishes or swapping around the worldly stuff around them. (laughs) They're not wrong. That is the definition of vanilla. There's probably been no exposure. Think about how many people, I mean, shame and sex. There could be a ton of vanilla people out there that were raised culturally in one way that are never going to have that idea of, oh, this is anything else. Again, no exposure, no teaching. You right. grow up how you grew up. You you stay in that. And if you're happy in that, like, whatever, it's fine. And also leads because the whole point of this podcast originally was so that we can learn our own selves. My whole thing was I was very vanilla because of shame. My yeah. Shame was a big part of my reason for not exploring and reaching out. And I completely hear you. I understand that vanilla is where we start. And now we're going to dive into the other terms. Yes, we are. What's our first one? We're going to try to go alphabetical. We'll bounce back and forth, but it's just easier. That works. The first one is called an artist. Okay. An An artist is a person who embodies the trait of creativity. They apply learned technical skill with their own imagination for the purpose of birthing a work of art. The artist's preferred medium may exist in either or both the kink or vanilla world, writing, music, painting, sculpture, dance, textile, even macrame. 
This list is limitless for where their hands will take them. Almost mythical and defied in history, the artist is likely found in quirky, mysterious, passionate, and abstract souls who use their mediums as an outlet for both identity and their various inspirations. The artist's natural companion is the muse. Oh, nice. Yes. I don't identify with this one at all. I would probably more identify as a muse if I had to do one of the two. Let's go ahead and give the muse a go since it is in the same vein. And so, so while you're looking at it, we're going to give credit to FetLife. We're- this is off of their kinktionary. There's many more terms right. to go look at. These are some of just the baseline ones that we decided to do. Correct. So the muse is a person who is the source of inspiration, passion, artistic creativity, or endeavor for the artist they are connected to, whether they are the subject of a poem or a song, or simply the most appreciative devotee of their craft. The muse has long been fabled for their position beside their creative companion. Muses can sometimes be amorous with the artist, and a sexual and or romantic arrangement begins via their devoted support. In the music world, the muse is often referred to as a groupie. <laughs> Um, All right. Not every muse or groupie has sex with their beloved, although this can be quite common due to the close proximity and passion. So there you go. That is an art. I lean towards being an artist in a way. Like I see outfits, like when we get dressed up and we show up to scenes and or we show up to parties, how beautiful people can be. And sometimes I even want to photograph them. When you were reading the definition, I was thinking about the rope play. When they do the harnesses, what is it called? Shibari. When, Shibari, yeah. when they that's do the Shibari, though, that's it? an art form. The- You're not wrong. I didn't even contemplate that. Yeah. yeah. There's a whole genre out there. If you Google rope sexual pictures or yeah. rope body pictures, they're gorgeous. So do that as like the Shibari person where you have experience tying people up with rope and doing the things? I haven't, but I have been tied up myself. Okay. So yeah. isn't that a muse in that scenario? I would be a muse in that scenario. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just asking. So that would be, I would, the other term is a doll, I think. A, oh, yeah. Okay. We'll get into dolls. All right. Let's talk about age play next. Age play involves a person who engages in role play where one or more of the participants acts as a different age from their chronological, i.e. physical age. Such play is not necessarily sexual in nature and can often be cathartic for the parties involved. While not all age players identify with a specific role like big, middle, or little, the term is often used to describe dynamics and play involving these roles, such as caregiver-little relationship. So quite often, or the most prevalent one in my mind is where if I have a partner, I pretend to be much younger than I am, right? And then that's how I derive satisfaction is being in that state of a younger mental person. The terms that I've heard is little and there are many ages rather than pick out a specific age. You will find people that like certain ages, and those are the people that you'll migrate towards. I found one big goes on the opposite end of little, so same type of scenario. There, we're just trying to give both sides and the verbiage that obviously you know this, Sarah. (laughs) For the people out there listening, sorry, I sound like I'm admonishing you, and I'm not. (laughs) Oh, no, I get it, I get it, I get it. Uh, So, so there's that one. (laughs) Next is a baby girl. And baby boy. 
So baby girl, baby boy is both alternate. So a person who seeks a parental and or nurturing figure in a relationship with some identifying as or role-playing as a young girl or boy. So also used as a term in of endearment for a female or male identified submissive or bottom. I don't know why it has to say that specifically, because I think we don't need to say female or male. We need to include everybody. So it is whoever is deciding is just being a little, just being someone that's taken care of. It's a defined role. When you negotiate, which we'll talk about in another episode, if you're going to be a baby girl, then your do's and don'ts around it. Do you want to be treated more like a little? Like we just talked about, or do you want, is it just a term of endearment, like sweets and baby girl and like a name? You're a hundred percent correct. Cause any baby girl experience I have has been Dom sub relationship and it it very much had that type of feel in it, but it, I don't think that it was full on baby girl or baby boy for whoever's out there. For me, it was just like, yeah, I like to be nurtured. Right. I like, Hey, did you eat today? Or in a more, especially for my dominant, like I've noticed you haven't been drinking water. I'd like for you to drink some water because it's important for you. It's just that nurturing aspect that I look for. For me, identifiably, it was more of a cute nickname, daddy and baby girl. It was always baby girl. But I don't think that it leaned so hard into the definition that I just gave. And that's fine. I had played with baby girl for once, one time, and it felt weird because I don't like the word girl. Like when somebody calls me girl, yeah. it, it rubs me, but I'm getting older. So yeah, I, I earn my grayness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> me too. At some point I may go backwards. Call me baby girl. I want to feel young again. I'm not there yet. All right. So let's get into bottoms. What's a bottom? Me. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, bottom and kink usually refers to a person who agrees to give up control or who receives the stimulation during kinky activities, which may or may not include submission. In gay male or male presenting sexual play, both kinky and non-kinky, a bottom is usually the one being penetrated anally or orally. Bottom can also be used to describe a person who prefers receiving penetration more than penetrating. Yeah. And switch roles, you get to be both, right? Which we'll get to. Sorry, I didn't mean to add another word already. (laughs) We'll get there. That's a bottom. Are you a bottom, Sarah? I'm a bottom, but I'm a switch when I'm a top. There is no penetration unless it's on them, which I've done. Okay. So So we know I'm a bottom. (laughs) (laughs) Thousand percent. Our next one is a brat, which I am. I'm definitely a brat. I'm definitely a brat. I have no problem. Um, Brat isn't any gender term. The alignment goes with submissives and bottoms. So it's a person who likes to exhibit one or more of the following behaviors. Teasing, playfully, sneaky, mischievous, stubborn, rebellious, disrespectful, or disobedient. This behavior may be a component of their power exchange relationship and should be consented to beforehand. So a little about you as a brat. What does that look like for you? I just, I have a mouth. So I usually will be obstinate and um, yeah. I will tease. And then usually I get punished. And I as, <laughs> as I get punished, I generally enters in an orgasm somewhere in there. <laughs> yes. 
Dude, for reals. Yeah. So it depends on my submissive style for a partner. Baby girl and brat for me are like hand in hand. One does not come without the other, basically. And I definitely like to be a brat to get punished. And it's a very funny scenario because no matter what, I win, right? In my mind, I win. And most doms are like, I can either punish you, which I win, or I can punish you because you're doing these things, which I win. So to me, it's yeah, okay. But I will do, I'm not disrespectful, but I'm definitely teasing, playful. I'm mischievous. I can be stubborn and I definitely can be disobedient. I think I fall more in the realm of the disobedience for brat. And it's because I'm like, oh no, I'm going to get punished. Now, whatever that level is can be like, oh fuck, I definitely was a big brat today. (laughs) Or "Mm, I could have been a little bit more brat. I want a little bit more. So it's just like whatever role you want to put yourself in. But I'm definitely a brat. There are large variety of brats. I'm actually identify as a Sam brat and Sam stands for smart ass masochist (laughs) and likes to incur the wrath of their dom. There's a feral menace, which I love this identifier, subby, but stabby brats gone wild chaos, but for good (laughs) (laughs) princess is a person who requires a particular treatment of praise, care, and attention. Spoiled child is a submissive age player, typically a little acting as a spoiled and annoying child. So again, You can be a brat, but there's subcategories for all involved, and it's what you make it that counts. As far as I have a dom now who in the past has not liked the bratty side of me, which can feel stifling to me because it's disappointing for me to not be able to. That's just not their personality. It comes off to them as probably disrespectful or rude. I don't quite have the brat scenario in my life right now, which is a bummer, but it's okay. I still am a brat. I just realize, oh, it's not working. I'm not going to get any punishment. I'm not going to get anything out of this. If anything, it's going to push the other direction. So then I just don't, right? But teach their own. It's fine. Which is funny that you say that because I will always come out and say I'm 100% brat. And I found out I'm actually like 91% brat, but (laughs) it leads into a role play because other Individuals that I'm interested in will come back. I'm a brat tamer or a brat wrangler. Ah. And so that leads into triggering their playfulness. Their kink. Adds into it, I think. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So should we talk about what a brat tamer is? Yeah. So brat tamer are one of the more classic or traditional interactions where it's agreed that the brat will be tamed into a more submissive version of themselves. The brattiness and the modification of it is the means to an end, forming order from chaos. So that is a, yeah, I know you're a brat. We're going to give you an attitude adjustment and we're not going to be bratty all the time from there. (laughs) But likewise, the brat wrangler, which I think is more of the version that I appreciate coming from my dom. That's a person who is the dominant or top role in a consensual relationship with a brat. Brat wranglers see themselves as enhancing or engaging in a brat's natural tendencies. They do not wish to change or mold the brat's behavior, but are more than capable of assertiveness or delivering punishments if the brat gets too out of hand. My first experience with the Dom that is no longer, he was a brat wrangler. He was just like, okay, keep it up. Keep pushing. All right, you're in for it. That's fine. (laughs) Didn't care. Didn't take it as an offense or disrespect that would push him away from sexual experience with me. But also 
there were times that he was a tamer where he's, okay, so you remember what you did today, right? So it's attitude adjustment time. And definitely that was when potentially a safe word can come out, right? Because we're going to go deep and whatever in different levels. Not that we didn't as the brat wrangler identifier either or two rather than either. But yeah, so I I like brat wranglers, that definition more than a brat tamer because I want to still be a brat. Me too. I don't. But there's something real sexy about, are you done? Do I make myself clear? I'm like, (laughs) yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can't sit for a week, but yes. Thank you, daddy. (laughs) Thank you, daddy. (laughs) And I know that does not roll off your tongue. It rolls off. No, no, it doesn't. (laughs) doesn't. Not when it comes to being bratty. It's usually, yeah. So doesn't roll off my tongue that well. (laughs) Yeah. For me, it's like wiggle, wiggle. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> I don't have a problem with that because I don't, yeah, it doesn't geek me out. And it's definitely, well, it, that's per partner too. My husband and I, every once in a while, I'll try and geek him out and he, I'll be like, okay, daddy. And he's like, oh my God, please don't. It's so <laughs> weird. And it is. I get geeked out saying it to him because it's just not our relationship. It never right. has been. And I'm so okay with it. But every once in a while, the brat in me has to tweak anybody and everybody, whether you're party to it or not. (laughs) I resonate with that very well because I can't say the word. I just started playing with the word with one of my play partners and it was okay with him for some reason, but previous ones, it was like, no, please don't make me say that. Yeah. (laughs) I think sometimes you just have to find your person too. There's no expectation for me. It's just the understanding of this works for me, this doesn't. If my partner ever wants to come back and be like, hey, I actually think I do want to test this out just for shits and giggles. I'm down. I'm not going to get into it as much as with somebody that identifies this way before because they already get sexual gratification or gratification out of it immediately anyway. But it's not something that I would just be like, ew, no, Mm -hmm. I just probably won't get into it as much as I want to, would like to. So there you go. Yeah. All right. So what's next on our list is bulls. What's a bull? Yes. A bull is a masculine identifying person with an unusually high sexual stamina who engages in sexual activities. Okay. These (laughs) activities are mostly from a top role and are for the pleasure of the receiving bottom role. They're often a third party in a cuckold, cuckoldress dynamic where they play the role of a more potent partner for the cuckoldress in order to humiliate the cuckold. But they can also be a third party in a vixen-stag dynamic where there is no humiliation involved. And we will get to those other ones. They're all in line, trust me. So yeah, that's a bull. All right. I feel like there's other... I don't feel like that's my understanding of what a bull was necessarily. Yeah, I thought bulls were more in the gay world. Let's. Oh, uh, see, not me. I don't. That's not where I went either. That's interesting. I've heard bulls like you're the bull or like a, you're a teddy bear or bull. Here is. You know what? Yeah, you're not wrong. I guess I'm. I if I put a bull off of that description into my own words and reiterate it back, I feel maybe this is my understanding. But a bull to me was always this masculine person that would come in and fuck your girl, which I, I guess, yes, what that's what they're saying. And maybe the party watches. I don't, I didn't really readily feel like it had to be a cuckold dress situation in that. I just felt like it was this third party that came in and was like, fuck your wife or fuck your husband or do this or like a director. 
type of situation. So I guess I I, I get it. You and we get to learn something new. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What about you? Is that kind of you said in the gay world, though? Yeah, see, I had associated as a gay thing, and that was a describer of a gay man that would say, I'm a bull, so versus a teddy bear or Sasquatch. I've heard that term as well. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that? Okay. The same as a teddy bear, but. (laughs) Or a bear. Or a bear. Yeah, a bear. I attribute. Okay, we're getting off. We can do this forever. God damn it. I know. This, This is fun. Ah, I know. I know. Okay. We're going to, we're going to stay on track, Sarah. Okay. So the next one is a bunny, which I've never heard of before. Benny. I don't think I have either. A subset of pet play where the individual interested in role play and or regression will assume the identity of a rabbit and usually engage bunny, engage, dear Lord, Jenna, engage in bunny play. Uh, Let's talk about the furry. Let's lead into furries and then we can because there's horse play and there's dog play. And what is a furry? Furry is a person who enjoys artwork and other media containing anthropomorphic animals or creatures. Typically has a fursona or furry persona. Some wear costumes ranging from full suits to more token pieces, a butt plug with a foxtail on it or something. Right. It's not always sexual in nature, but can be depending on the person. A furry... I don't know that that goes hand in hand. I feel like that's another subset. Me personally, I feel like that's not, I guess, in the overall general terms, pet play. But I feel like pet play is more people identifying or liking to role play out an animal. Where to me, in my understanding, and again, my understanding only, please write in and let me know that I'm wrong. A furry is more like, again, like it's saying costumes and doesn't have to be a sexual kink to them. It's just who they identify as instead of the sexual thing. Because the definition is an individual S-type who identifies within pet play. They may identify as an animal pet, but human pet exists as well. So you're my pet, that type of thing. A pet is usually treated like a beloved and owned individual. Yeah. So there's definitely more than I can ever put into here because I can only read what's out there. Right. I don't. Yeah. I don't got a lot for this one to be honest with you. And furries. (laughs) I have a couple of friends that are furries and it is a lifestyle for them too, but as well as they do engage in pet play as a furry. So that's why I always assumed they were together, but I guess not now that we just found out the bunny play is not necessarily a furry play. So with the bunny, you don't necessarily have to be dressed up. You can take on the persona of, in your mind, like you hop around and wiggle your nose and wiggle your ass. And I legit have a sibling that grew up pretending to be a cat most of their lives. Really? It was, yeah, like from little to, I don't know if they still do it. It's probably a conversation I should ask. I would assume it was part of their persona. It was so prevalent back then. Wow. And it always, and I'm going to say, geeked me out when I was a kid because I didn't understand it. But then again, now we lead into my life now and I absolutely cannot role play. I'll wear the Mm. outfit, but I can't make myself some other persona or I'm just, I'm not, I'm not an actor. Like I don't have, that's not a sexual drive for me. And it's so far in with the no for me, I can't even really give my partner any leaning into it. I wow. 
I have a big issue with pretending to be somebody that I'm not in my sexual identity because I was already fucking mistreated for so many years about being who I am. And it's the one part where I've always had this empowerment of being who I am at all times. So to role play for me is a hard no. I totally appreciate it. I totally understand it. I'm totally incapable and not willing, just not willing. I, I don't do well with role playing only because... I have a hard time when somebody wants me to be somebody else. Because remember saying, the very yeah. first episode about the blue tarp that yeah, <laughs> the blue tarp that was man, hurtful to you. It was traumatic in the fact that he wanted me to wear a wig and be somebody else. And then I took it very personally. I took it like you don't care to be with me. And because it was no negotiation, it was just pushed on me. Exactly. I was just going to say there was no conversation about, hey, do this or whatever, and no real dominant sub hierarchy or any of that stuff. Technically, he would have been the artist because that's what he wanted to do with the blue tarp. (laughs) Because he wanted to paint while we had sex. That's right. Yes. See, but coming back to and I was, it was forced on me to be in this role-playing mode without even asked. And then I was like, okay. And that didn't feel right to me. So even now I still have a problem with, I do wear the schoolgirl outfits and stuff like that. I have all the cute little outfits, but I don't put the mindset on. I do play one role really well. I was the principal and I carried a big ass stick. (laughs) God damn it. You're making, <laughs> God damn it. I have fucking hard nipples and goose, but like, I just, oh my fuck. It just causes me anxiety. I'm the same. I have such a, an extensive lingerie collection. Like I, listen, I got my Harry Potter outfit. I got my little wand and my little short skirt and my tie and my leggings, all the things. And I'll put all those things on for you. And my wand has been in my orifices. No problem. But I can't, I cannot give you Hermione. <laughs> I can't. This is, Jenna is a walk-on part in the Harry Potter movies. You get that character, which is just me because I didn't have a speaking role. So that has been asked of me. And I tried. I can't my do mouth it water. Like, I'm so embarrassed. Yeah. I can't do it. I only did the principal because it was a school time and I rented to be the bigger bitch than everybody else. So I carried a big ass paddle and I paddled everybody. So that was fun. Uh, Okay. But that was my own persona. That was not taking on like a specific person, I think. I mean, I feel like that's role play leaning. Yeah. Leaning. Because if you're a character, but it's at your discretion. Right. Role play for me is never at my discretion because I do not want, (laughs) I just don't want to do it. So there you go. There There we go. Dove into that one. We're going to move on to caregiver. Which I never knew about before reading this. It goes with littles and bigs type of thing, I would think. So a caregiver is a person who takes on a nurturing and or parental role in a relationship dynamic. They tend to the needs of their partner and often encourage and support them to grow. I do very much identify as this caregiver role, though I don't feel like it's a sexual proclivity for me. I think it's just what I naturally do to any and all people in my life. So but I know that it can pleaser. be. Yeah. What yeah. about you? Are you a caregiver? I am a caregiver in my personal life, but I am not sexually. No. When I become submissive, then it's, I want to take care of my master. It's really, that's that pleaser coming out. And yeah. To get what I yeah. want, which is to have an orgasm or to have. Yeah, it's for me, a it's a non-sexual thing. It's just a, a massive prevalence in my life, period. So yeah, am I a caregiver? Yeah. Is it in my sexual? Yeah, it's in all aspects of my life, but I wouldn't. I don't. Yeah. Take it for yeah. what it is. 
Yeah, it is. All right. Also, caregiver is a non-gender specific. If we were looking for gendered alternatives, it would be mommy and daddy. So we'll get to that too. Sweet. All right. Okay. The next one is interesting because I didn't know about this part, the centaur, but it's also related to Pegasus and a unicorn. Centaur is not one that I had heard before. And so the definition or the guideline rather is the counterpart to a unicorn is a centaur, sometimes known as a Pegasus. They're usually a bisexual or heteroflexible masculine person who enjoys sexual play with male and female partners in non-monogamous or polyamorous relationships or with those who enjoy swinging or group sex. Nice. So there you go. Have you been a unicorn? I feel like I definitely have been a unicorn willingly. I don't like it for a lot of reasons. Obviously, it's abused by, I think, couples privilege at time where they are this unicorn to me. If it's a healthy way, it's at my terms, right? I engage with you. I tell you what my boundaries are. You guys both like my partners adhere to that type of thing. Let's just say what it is. It's a single bisexual woman who is willing to join a couple, typically a heterosexual couple for sexual encounters or a threesome. So I don't know that you have to be bisexual either. You can be heteroflexible here too, but mm-hmm. it would be wanting to join a couple and however that looks, whether that's a polycue or whatever. Unfortunately, a lot of people, unicorn should be as senator should be an empowering role. I should want, I should be able to want to come in and touch these people with my lives. It's so hard to find this dynamic. A lot of times it leads to triads if it's done healthily and correctly. Um, which I think is wonderful, but there's just a lot of misuse of unicorns, a lot of couples privilege, and I'm not gendering that because it is what it is, where the unicorn by an uneducated couple gets really the shit end of the stick, right? Because right. they are not equitably treated or equally treated by their partners. You'll see it out there a lot, people. Unicorn hunting is a thing and it's not nice. And that is when people are literally just trying to fit this person without taking any care or concern about what their wants, needs, desires are and putting them on the same level as their own. This is this thing where they just like, oh, we want to have a threesome with women. Who fucking doesn't? But they're not treating this person of equal value. I agree. I also think unicorns are depicted as the perfect blonde bombshell or runway model at the sex clubs. And then they get deflated. So it leads into strife in their in relationships and stuff. I've seen that many times at sex clubs where we're looking for a specific type. Yeah. It's just people are dicks, man. Yes. Always wanting what they want and not putting other people on par with them. So I agree. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Done right, centaur and unicorn is very empowering for the person that is choosing to participate in, you know, a dynamic with other people that are already together. And it should be. Unfortunately, it's something on both sides that I feel is widely abused. So there you go. Yeah. Just Breathe, Life, Relationship, and Intimacy Coaching. Are you struggling with trauma or relationship issues? Do you feel like you're stuck in patterns that are holding you back from living your best life? If so, it's time to take the next step towards healing and growth. 
Hi, my name is Jenna. I'm a life, relationship, and intimacy coach with over four years of experience helping individuals and couples overcome complex challenges related to intimacy, sexuality, and communication. I specialize in working with clients who have alternative relationships, clients that struggle with trauma, and teaching communication skills. Together, we can create a safe and supportive space for healing and growth and help you build the skills and tools you need to move forward with greater resilience and self-compassion. As a relationship coach, I also provide practical tools and communication strategies that can help you strengthen your connection and build a deeper, more fulfilling relationship. Whether you're struggling with conflict, feeling disconnected, or simply looking to deeper your connection with your partners, I'm here to help. I believe everyone deserves to have happy, healthy, fulfilling relationships and a satisfying sex life. And I'm committed to helping my clients achieve those goals. If you're ready to take the next step towards greater intimacy, connection, and pleasure, I invite you to schedule a consultation with me today. You can do this by visiting my website at justbreathewithjenna.com. I offer a free 30-minute intro session. Help is only a click away. Let me help you find the answers that are right for you. My next one is something that I was a cougar. What is a cougar? I'm a fucking cougar. (laughs) No, I don't know if I'm a cougar. So a cougar is an older woman who's primarily interested in men or women who are significantly younger than her. So that's not my primary interest. I do have a partner that's nine years younger. So I think it can be used derogatorily as well. It's a cougar usually refers to women in their 40s, while women in their 30s are often referred to as pumas, and women in their 20s are often referred to as kittens. How much younger you're going as a kitten? Yeah. I don't know. And I have issues with that personally. That's, I don't think so. I'm what I guess a cougar. But then again, I don't really, I think it's just the age that people get lumped into because it's not a primary interest of mine. I've never had a long-term relationship with a younger person besides my, one of my partners now, actually two of my partners are significantly younger, but I didn't, they were all ethically formed. Wasn't something I was looking for. It's just who I connected to. So it's interesting because we've been hearing about cougars like a unicorn. It's one of those words that's out there. And so I was curious about Where did it come from? Where did that particular term come from? And actually, Wikipedia thinks that it came from a Canadian dating (laughs) site in 1999 called CougarDate.com. You're kidding me. No. Interesting. Vancouver, British Columbia was put down for older women who go to bars and then go home with whomever's left at the end of the night. That's what it was for. See, but then that's not an age thing where now it's been much more specified as an older lady with younger men and then seeking out specifically. But that's, yeah, that's fucking interesting. But I would have called him a barfly. <laughs> but it was well originally a put down to them too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. As so those was, terms are. We're taking yes. them back, people. My next one is my favorite one. Not really. Cockled. Cock cake. Cockledress. And a cock queen. Uh, so I'm going to say them differently than you. Yes, because I Cuckled. do not say them right. <laughs> cock cake. Cockledress. And cock queen. Thank you. So all of these are in relation to, so we'll just read the four together and then we can discuss. A cuckold, a man who enjoys the experience of watching or knowing their partner has sex with someone else. Cuckolds often enjoy being humiliated or watching their partner being better satisfied by another man, but the the play and enjoyment can vary between people. 
There is a history of this one. It says the term cuckold has a rather storied history going back hundreds of years. It was used as an insult as it meant that you had no control over or respect from your wife, that no self-respecting man would let his wife play around. The kink dynamic of being a cuckold and encouraging your wife to have sex with others as part of your own sexual gratification is a new thing in comparison with the historic use of the word. That is going to be all across the board. I feel like most of these names do derive from a negative place. And again, we're taking it back. We're going to make it a positive thing. So then we move on to the cuck cake, which I was unaware of. Uh, A cuck cake is the femme presenting or identifying person outside of a relationship that has sexual relations, scenes, and or dynamics with one of the partners. So I guess this would be the third that you bring in to your relationship. So then the cuck cake after that is a cuckoldress, a woman who may pursue sexual relationships with other people, perhaps than her partner. Oftentimes she is sexually dominant to her partner and her outside play is to reinforce her dominance. Her partner has full knowledge of her activities. So it's not necessarily that her partners go do these things. It's and then I'm doing it (laughs) and I'm letting you know that I'm doing it. And then we've got what? Cuck Queen is the last one that we're relating here. And that is a woman who enjoys the humiliation and or voyeuristic experience of watching or knowing their partner has sex with somebody else. So I am a bit of a cuck queen in a dom-sub relationship. If my dom wants to have sex with somebody else, I get off on maybe being sat in a chair and being forced to watch, being told how great they feel. I don't necessarily like the degradation aspect of where, oh, her pussy feels so much better than yours or any specific identifiers in relation to me hurt my feelings, I would say more. But if it's like, I'm going to have you sit here and you're going to watch daddy fuck her. And then how hot is this for you? And oh my God, she feels so fucking good. I don't mind if it's like, baby, she takes this fucking better. We're going to have to train you a little bit more. Like if it's a little tease in there, I don't have a problem with it. But yeah, so I'm I'm a bit of a cuck queen. Nice. I've been in a cuckold. Now, the time that I had done it, there was degradation was a big part of it. The gentleman wanted to be, he wanted to be the cleaner. So he wanted to have the gentleman fuck me and then he cleaned him up. And that was cleaned up either orally or with a towel. He so, also cleaned up you with his tongue? Yes, yes. Okay. And he liked the idea of being told that she likes me better than you. So it was the man. Huckled, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. telling him. That, so I've been in that situation. It was weird at first because it's generally a strange man that comes in. At least in this case it was. And I, I, I couldn't quite get into the feel of it. It wasn't my thing. But I have a hard time with degradation. Anyways, I don't, I don't do that very well. I have a hard time putting people down. Agreed. My husband, so he does not like the term cuckold, though it's a little identifying for him in the way that I identify as a cuck queen. So he doesn't mind sitting back and watching, but it's also like I can't and he does not like the degradation aspect of it. I can tell him how good it feels to be fucked by this person. But again, it's not, he fucks me better. Your dick is so small. It's not the degradation side, which maybe we can get away from that. And maybe it's just a voyeuristic aspect of it. 
maybe that's what it is. Meh, who knows? Who knows? All right. The next thing on our list is daddies. Oh, oh daddy. Daddy. Come here, so, daddy. My daddy. A daddy is a masculine term for a person who takes on a nurturing and or parental role in a relationship dynamic. Their dynamics often involve an element of guidance and support for their partner's personal development. A daddy may or may not engage in age play with their partner. The title daddy may be used instead of or in conjunction with other dominant titles such as sir and or master. For the right side of the slash counterpart to this role, considered baby girl, baby boy, and a little. For the non-masculine alternatives, consider mommy or caregiver. Mm-hmm. So again, mine would be in a sub role to daddy, but my daddies definitely take care of me in nurturing ways. It's yeah. definitely, come here, baby. You look like you need a hug. Let daddy tell you how much he loves you. Let me tell you how wonderful you are. You know what I mean? So that's what a daddy is to me in my life. What about you? It was hard for me to even get into it. I did play with it recently. And actually, after getting into the mindset, like I didn't do anything different. It was just a term that he liked to be called. I was able to associate him with the word daddy versus my daddy. Yeah. Yeah, I normally would say sir or master. That's I'm comfortable with that. But in that case, I use daddy for him. Yeah, and I have never used it. master. I've definitely used sir. And again, it's that dominant role where I've pushed yes, it. Sir. And yeah. It's do you understand? It's yes, sir. But that's yeah. another always it's daddy. Always daddy rolls off my tongue, right? It's all I'm always in daddy mode. But there are times where it's oh, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, <it>. exactly. <laughs> the little brats coming out. Oh, All right, we're going to move along to degrader and degrade E. Yes. Okay, so degrader, one who derives pleasure from the often sexual demeaning humiliation or deliberate embarrassment of another person in a submissive capacity. A degrader typically adopts a dominant position, is dominant, and or is sadistic. So again, we've explained what that means. It's not for Sarah or I, but we understand. And then the degrade E is obviously the one that submits to that. So it's a typically submissive or masochist individual who enjoys or seeks the physical or physiological effects of being degraded. This may include humiliation, objectification, embarrassment, and subjection to various mechanisms, which will consensually reduce the individual to a low status or position of perceived worthlessness and which may be sexually arousing. I've got no (laughs) problems with it. As long as you are mentally and emotionally, you've done the work and you are stable and it is a kink. Maybe you're a high-powered woman all the fucking time or a high-powered man all the fucking time. And it's it's no different than being submissive. I am dominant all the time in my real life. It's just, fuck, just take away all of the things that I have to do. Let me not make decisions today. Let me not fucking fix and take care and care give everybody. Just fucking take it off my plate and I get sexual about that stuff. It's the same thing. It's just in a different format. These people are the same way. They just like to be humiliated or embarrassed. All right. So we're going to keep moving along. We're going to go with doll and doll maker, which I did not know about. This two, I'm not super informed about either. I think it's going to make me hinky, but I don't know. A person who enjoys objectification and wants to be transformed through one's 
own and or outside forces into a living doll, often paired with a doll maker. Okay, so then we'll just read doll maker really quick. And that is, whoa, much longer. A doll maker is someone who dresses, grooms, plays with, and physically manipulates their partner like a living doll. Doll makers derive both sexual pleasure and creative fulfillment from the connection they make with their partner through caring for them, creating their appearances, and placing them into scenes they imagine. Dollification usually occurs in the context of a power exchange relationship. Most often, the doll maker is the dominant of the submissive doll, manipulating the doll to his or her satisfaction. Uh, Dominant doll makers tend to utilize more force than a toy maker through a reconstruction process that removes the sense of dignity from a human being and diminishes their self-bodily awareness. Sometimes the doll can be the dominant player instead, instructing their submissive makers to use their artistic skills to bring them to perfection. Okay. So uh, really quick, a toy maker is basically, instead of them being called a doll, they're they're a toy. So they're objectified as a toy versus a doll. Yeah. For me, this both of those take away autonomy of myself and I don't like that. Like I have to have some say. One of the things I was learning for one of the other episodes is a different types of sexualities. I never knew about objection sexuality. How's that go? It's object objectification. Yeah. There was a form of sexuality where basically they, they get off on specific objects. And so that led me into learning a little bit about dolls and doll makers. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. But I can't do it. But then again, that brat in me is hard to let go. (laughs) Yeah, I'd be fucking up as a doll purposely. So. Yeah. And I yeah. and and then that's taking away. I right. feel like that's probably going to be a takeaway for the those two identifiers. So, I'm good. Yeah, we're good. All right, dominant, dominatrix and dommy is Yeah. It's on- dominant. In contemporary kink, a dominant is a person who consensually receives power, authority, or control in a relationship, scene, or activity. We're going to go a little bit deeper. In core or traditional BDSM, which is a wild thing for me to fucking even wrap those words in the same thing, like traditional BDSM, the role of a dominant is more specific. The difference between dominant and submissive, big D slash little s, and master slave, big M, small, little s, dynamics is the extent for the power exchange. Master is considered an earned title, but dominant is considered more of a role. Someone may use the term dominant to indicate that they are not yet a master or that they aspire to one day gain the title of master. They are considered to be lesser in rank to a master and may still be learning. In a core BDSM dom sub relationship, consent is considered to be irrevocable as it is given to the negotiated dynamic rather than to individual actions. If consent is revoked or changed, then the dynamic is considered broken. Similar to a marriage ending in divorce, a dom who violates a hard limit may be denied the privilege of remaining in their community due to them not upholding the values and traditions demanded of them. So yeah, that's a real big deal, folks. I have experienced, unfortunately, inexperienced and narcissistic doms Mm. where that is not how that is that shit's supposed to i as the sub am placing myself not only bodily but mentally and emotionally into your hands and you are definitely the dominant partner but as the dominant partner it should have nothing to do 
with affecting you in a masculine way to listen to me. Submissives in play are always in control. The master is there to provide the scene. The sub is there to let you know what's working and not. And if you have a dom that is your mind and I don't give a shit and they're not realizing, again, hard limit, not respecting boundaries, they're not a dom. They're bullshit. Yeah. I had an experience. I had just gotten into the scene and I was dating at the time and I met this one gentleman and he says, I'm a true dom. And I'm like, what do you mean true dom? That's another term that I've seen out there. And that's going back to the traditional dom where the male takes control of the situation. In this case, he put me almost like a doll in the position he wanted me or where they told me to take my clothes off. It's that control factor. And in his case was, you're going to come in, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. And I couldn't be a brat because it was actually negotiated previously to not be bratty. Love that. And it was actually a really wonderful experience. I I enjoyed having the scene with him and would probably go back again if he was around because I did feel taken care of. So that's a true dom. I got a little hinky when you said it because coming from a dom... Mm, I don't, I'm a true dom. Okay. But look, the actions match the words. So yes, that's a true to me dominant. Like I identify with what you're saying, right? They have to have care for their subs. They have to respect and know the limits. You said you negotiated a scene. I think that's fucking wonderful. But a lot of men don't do that. They think it's just the dominant side and I'm not here to listen to you. You are a, you are an object. You are nothing to me. Your health does not matter to me, whether that's mental, emotional, or physical. Cause I, I'm the dom. Fuck off. Fuck all the way off with all your shit. That is not to me a true dom. So there you go. We're going to also do Dom, D-O-M-M-E, which is a female identifying person who consensually exerts power, authority, or control in a relationship, scene, or activity. So same, just female identifying. Also known as a dominatrix. They've they've gone hand in hand. This is more of a current term and showed up in the internet to be used as a a substitute for dominatrix. Gotcha. I've seen that. Yeah, I have seen um, that as well. There you go for all of that. What are we moving on to next? Expedi- ex- yeah, I can't say this. Expe- you say it. <laughs> Exhibitionist? That word. <laughs> I fucking Blah. love you so uh, fucking much. I'm sorry. I love you. Um, exhibitionist. I, I can do it. It's I okay. can't say it. <laughs> it's okay. Your little tongue just doesn't work that way. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong. Your little tongue works in beautiful ways and other ways. There's no shame there. So exhibitionist, as I have not been tripping over words all day today, so you just relax there, Cinderella. (laughs) We're we're same, same. So exhibitionist, I definitely am. It's a person who enjoys displaying themselves in a public or semi-public manner in order to attract attention and or for a sexual and or emotional thrill at the idea of being discovered. So I'm an exhibitionist. But in a weirdly private way. <laughs> like, well, here like, I always I'm thought- like Schrodinger's cat. Am I flirting with you or not? I'm only flirting with you if it works. But I don't know that I'm flirting with you until you take the bait and you make it clear that I'm flirting with you. <laughs> so That's same hilarious. thing for me. You know what I mean? Like exhibitionist. Right. Yeah, I definitely like going out there and being discovered or being the object of a desirous thing. Will I act on it myself? No. 
No, you have to tell me that you're doing, I see the way you're doing and I'm interested because otherwise I don't think you're fucking interested. Right. I would. And I'm not that I'm not like, I'm not going to be like, Hey, recognize me. I'm fucking sexy as shit. I'm just, yeah, it's not who I am. But what about you? I always assume that word (laughs) (laughs) was the E word, the E word was hand in hand with nudists. So when you read the definition, I learned a little because I assumed that you did that nude or partially nude, not as it says in the definition, not as. Yeah, a, you're yeah. not wrong. They definitely don't include a covered versus non-covered body in that. Yeah. I also have identified as an exhibitionist in that realm where, yeah, we go out to a nude beach all the time. There, I'm not in an exhibitionist mindset. Because I'm not waiting to be discovered. I'm not any, I'm not there for attraction. Truly. I'm just telling everybody truly. I'm just there to enjoy the sun on all of my parts. And I don't really, do I meet people? Yeah. Do I talk to people? Yeah. But it's not, that's not part of the exhibition. That would be more nudist at that point. I feel like you are an exhibitionist if you're nude. Interesting. See, that's I a, think that's it's a okay. great dialogue. I think it's okay. I think you, I, that has always been my learned understanding of part of an identity of an exhibitionist is the nude part of it. Look, other people have other ideas who fucking I'm coming to terms with my nudist, like in sex clubs, I can do that because I get in the mindset. I'm in a sex club. I can walk around nude, going to a nude beach. I can do it in public. I'll dress up, but yeah. So that's yeah. interesting. I'd always associate without clothes. So I just learned something. Another thing. All right. We're going to keep moving along. <laughs> I know. Fairy kink mother. That's me. That's me. No, just kidding. Yeah. Tell yeah, me what a so fairy kink mother is. You should know. A more knowledgeable and experienced maternal figure that you can go to for help and advice within the kink scene. So someone who takes on a caring, nurturing role to others in a scene can sometimes be seen as a kinky version of a godmother. So it's just your touch base go-to person. I feel like I am too in my, you know, sex coaching role. I am definitely the fairy kink mother where you can come and tell me this and I can rest your worries and we can talk about it. And then we can talk about how to do it in a healthy way for you. And I've had people come up to me in in house parties and stuff and have the same type of scenario. So yeah, I just didn't know it was a thing. (laughs) I (laughs) I love the term. I I had a lady at one of the sex clubs. She called me her sex Yoda. Uh, Like I I was all knowing. And so she's, I'm going to go to you because you're my sex Yoda. I think she was trying to say Yogi. Like the old, like, yeah, but she called yeah, me yeah, Yoda yeah. and I liked it. So I stuck with it. Well, Yoda was a yogi, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He was. It was just short and green. So I don't know how to take that. <laughs> no, no, that's not your identity. You stop uh, it. Uh, I know. I'm just short. teasing. It happens, but we're not green and big short or any of that stuff. We're short. We're short. <laughs> we're short. Sure. Yeah. Hands All right. Down. All right. Let's get to fucked all. I can be a fucked all for sure. No. What about you? Do you think you can be a fucked all? I, it depends on the movement. Now, we were talking about dolls earlier. Now, generally, I like to be fucked, but a uh, doll. This is, not, this is yeah. not quite the same thing. Yeah. It can be someone's considered sex doll. Yeah. But I don't. Let's read it. Let's read it. Yeah, let's read it. A fuck doll is someone who allows another person, generally a dominant or top, who owns them to use their body for sexual gratification at their whim. This can include specific positions and going limp to be moved like a doll. That's a no for me. Fuck doll is very similar to the fuck toy rule. Fuck doll has the implication and or expectation that the dominant or top will utilize dollification 
by, oh, bimbofication Woo! or presentation. The fuck doll may also be sledded and or loaned out for others to use as part of a scene punishment reward or rules set within their dynamic. Okay. Under those guidelines, I don't think I'm a fuck doll. Yeah, I'm not a fuck doll. No, no. Maybe I was just thinking cum slut. Cum slut. Definitely like a cum slut. Yeah, we will be eventually. Did we? We didn't. I don't think we had that in there. Yeah, they didn't have it. I'll find it. But okay, keep going. We are going to go to hedonist what is a hedonist oh a hedonist person with a strong focus on the pursuit of pleasure some hedonists believe that experiencing pleasure is the purpose of life i am a hedonist in all aspects of my life not only my sexual life i want pleasure in all aspects i think everybody deserves that okay i don't think i am i let me think about that Uh, i think you i think it's something i would like to see you come into more how about that? I think that there's the base element of that understanding in you. But as far as pursuit of that, I no, I don't think so. Not quite yet. I hope that you'd become that because it is to me just such a me personally again. Right. It's just such a better, more healthy way to live my life. If I'm constantly in pursuit of joy, um, that's in all aspects. It's not just in sexual. And so I just feel you know, in nature and in, in whatever, it's just a more, I just am happier, I guess, as my thing, but that doesn't have to be for you either. You can totally do it. Well, I do one. when I get into where I'm in a relationship and I'm taking care of as a good sub, I do take that on. I enjoy it. Like yeah. I enjoy the energy exchange and I guess in a way I'm a hedon. I want to go to hedon, hedonism. It's on the Jamaican Island. I want to go there. There's more than just one. Yeah. Yes, but that is the that was I think the original one. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. I'm mildly scared of those scenarios. (laughs) I don't know. That's a lot of putting yourself out there and a lot of boundaries to I have to hold. And I know my partners would love it. It's just a bit of a struggle for me. That's I just need to do better with my own boundaries, and then I would be fine. You know what I mean? I do. I do. But it is. It's on a bucket list for me. I aspire to go to one at some point. The next one on our list, because we're getting down there, hot husband and hot wife. Never heard these terms before until reading it today. Please share. I'm going to go hot wife first, just because I feel like it's a more prevalent thing. A married woman who pursues sexual relationships with people other than her spouse. Her spouse has full knowledge of their activities, consents to them, and gets pleasure from them. I am a hot wife for sure. And likewise, the hot husband, a man married who pursues sexual relationships with women other than his wife, his wife also has full knowledge of his activities, consents to them, and gets pleasure from them. I would love it if my husband was a hot husband or if my other partner was a hot husband, minus the husband part, but hot wife for sure is a role for me, which I don't mind. Yeah, but he doesn't partake the same way. I wish because I would definitely love to have him as a hot husband. I would love to fucking send him out there and be like, fuck, yeah, tell me all the things because that shit's sexy as shit to me. I like when my partners go out, have sex and have compersion for them. And I want to know about them, especially if I'm getting banged afterwards. Right. Go get fucked and come back and tell me all about it and then fuck me because that's hot. I know my husband doesn't like the term hot wife. I think he feels like it is a less than like it's. He feels like it's disrespectful to me. 
I don't. I'm fine. I definitely feel like a hot wife. There you go. Nice. Have you ever been hot wife or hot husband? No. None? Nah. That's fair. Haven't played. Like I said, I didn't even know the term until today. So that was quite, quite an interesting. We're moving along. I've never said that word to you before, hot wife. If you said it in the past or even I would have thought it as a description, like you're a hot wife because you are a hot wife. By <laughs> I get but what you're saying. Not yeah. sexually, just yeah. as a descriptor. So yeah. I never knew that was a term until today. Yeah, I've de- well, and then I've definitely used the term for myself a lot. I think What's I'm going to own it. I would. I think oh. I'm going to own that in the future. So that will be my title. I life. love that for you. I think it's a great thing. Let's go to key holder because I didn't know what this one was either. This one's fascinating. I did not know either. A uh, key holder is a dominant partner who controls whether or not their submissive partner can orgasm or receive sexual stimulation. Often this is achieved by locking the submissive partner in a chastity belt or chastity cage and keeping hold of the key, implying that the submissive partner's genitals are owned or controlled by them. I have to be honest with you. The idea idea of caging a cock is super fucking hot to me for fucking sure. I've never experienced it. I don't know that I need to. I think for me, it is a fantasy and very specific to partner, right? I guess it's for each person to identify in because I definitely have dominant partners who control whether or not I can have an orgasm. Edging is for sure a thing where they bring you close and then they make you fucking not not allow you to get there. And they do that for hours until you're just, oh, I just want to die. <laughs> just please let me come. Um, and I've definitely had a dominant partners tell me you're not allowed to come until I tell you. And it's just like that to me is an endurance thing. I fail often because I come so easy. So it's very, it's much more of a mental game for me. So I am not a key holder. I feel like I've been party to it, but as to whether my partners who were the ones metting that out to me feel like right. a key holder? I don't think so. And I don't know, but it's it, interesting. It is. It is. I've talked to a couple key holders, females holding the key for the chastity belt on the penis. I think it's mean, <laughs> but <laughs> how mean I don't treat penises that way but then like, oh then I, talk about, I don't know i don't know. I know then i talk about cbt and i'm like going okay then but how's CBT? not any meaner than we CBT? Didn't do that what is cbt it is cockball torture which when we get into fetishes we'll talk about that yeah yeah yes i, um, I don't <laughs> I know. know like for my armchair quarterback position here yes like i know but here's that's that duality is that one minute i don't want it to not get hard i want it to get hard so i can beat it up okay there you go <laughs> I think you're a bit of a key master. Again, it's just you would have to identify that way. But I feel like in your mistress role or your dom role, I think you can be a bit of a key master, just as my dominants are a bit of a key master. Again, it's just like a, oh, okay, this is a term. And yes, I identify with that as opposed to, yes, there are aspects of this. So it's whether it's all ownership, whether you want to own that title or not. You Which know. is why we why we are describing them all because I think this is fascinating and is so fun to learn these new ones. So let's get into masochists because that's why we're here. <laughs> so this is me for sure. Yeah. I think my personality test, the highest rated for me was 84% masochist. So a masochist is a person who enjoys receiving pain or humiliation consensually, whether it's emotionally, mentally, or physically. So yes. 
humiliation in ways that is not degrade degrading to me we'll get that fucking word right see sarah i do the same thing exhibitionist but i can't say degradating (laughs) and again that's like smart ass masochist right so the humiliation might be like no i really feel like fucking this other person right now and i'm gonna make you watch that to me could be construed as humiliating depending on the mindset because i might really want to play too and then i have to wait because he's paying more they want to pay more attention to something but definitely pain for me I I am definitely I am into it, but that's privately. That's when I become sub subby. I definitely I give me pain. I love the impact of it. Yeah. The other night I actually was playing. I met somebody and I played the sadist and got to enjoy pounding on him. He was the first time he was a masochist and he got into the roles that he actually had a mental orgasm. He had tears and he visual reaction. To wow. the impact, it was pretty intense. He had brought a floggers. And he goes, I would love to be on the other end of it. So I gave him the other end. That's awesome. <laughs> and That's he awesome. loved it. And he didn't think he would ever enjoy it. And he did. But he'd like to explore it more. But I it is something that, that he's. I love influenced. when people lean into stuff. It's just to me, it's so awesome to see people be, oh, I've seen this thing in a porn, or I've seen this thing at a sex club, or I've seen this thing, or my partner talks about this other thing. I really don't think it's for me. But then they're like, hey, I'll give it a go. Like my dad, for all of you out there, his favorite saying was, try it three times just to be sure. (laughs) And I'm telling you, I don't want to know all of the inclusivity in that for him. And thankfully he's passed away, so I can't know. But we also do a sex podcast, so I'm pretty sure you guys could figure out that the apple does not fall far from the tree. <laughs> and you tried it more than once. Yeah. And then you get to have the experience. And look, if he hadn't leaned in and been uh, vulnerable with his request or intimate with his request, he would never know that. And right. it's this door opening. And however far down that rabbit hole they want to go is up to them. Maybe it's a minimal, nominal thing that happens every once in a while when they're in the mood. Maybe it breaks open this whole other thing and then they have 15 more kinks. So it's the journey. I love the beginning of the journey. I think that's amazing. I thought it was absolutely fabulous to be in that experience. So we're going to move on because we're going to talk about masters. Masters. Ah, the master. About this one on both sides. In contemporary kink, a master is a person who consensually takes ownership over someone who they are in a relationship with. Master is not a role, but a title for a specific form of dominant and pertains to BDSM only. A master accepts or has accepted absolute total authority and assumes ownership of a slave. A master is someone who owns a submissive as property, an indication that another human being found them trustable and experienced enough to transfer their whole agency to them. A master accepts responsibility and accountability for the totality of another human being's life, very different from uh, real life human trafficking and slavery, right? This is all we're all keeping in consensuality here. It is expected that a master possesses advanced and correct knowledge of BDSM. The title is not usually self-given, but is an honor bestowed on someone as an acknowledgement of their competency by other experienced practitioners of 
core BDSM. It can sometimes take decades to reach the level of competence needed to earn the title of master. Being given the title means they have experience, knowledge, and understanding of the lifestyle and of what these roles require. This includes demonstrating core values as well as being skilled at the things that use as toys. Often the title comes with responsibilities such as handing down BDSM knowledge to newer practitioners. Oh, and there's a little bit more. One more little thing. For a core BDSM master slave dynamic, consent is given to the negotiated dynamic rather than to the individual actions. The dynamic is recognized as a total power exchange. So consent is considered to be irrevocable after negotiation. If consent is revoked or changed, then the dynamic is often considered broken, similar to a marriage ending in divorce. Safe words are therefore usually only used as emergency stops instead of a withdrawal of, of consent. So again, I feel like this is another term that has such weight and gravity to it that people should not claim right. as a title. And as we've read, I identify and agree with this definition or guideline, whatever we're calling it, of a master. I think it takes years. And you not only is it just being advanced in the tools and passing down knowledge, like you have to be a healthy person. You have to not be a narcissist. You have to hold, that's the thing, as the partner to a master, you are giving up your autonomy. Yeah. You are saying, I trust you so much that I want no choice basically in my life. Like I believe that you will make the right decisions for me regardless. Right. So how that lens really fast into narcissistic men coming and women and they, and whoever narcissistic people taking advantage of the situation and ruining it and ruining their people. Yeah. I trained because I did not want to just like half-ass give myself a title. And as it says, you can't be given it, but you can train. You can learn all the different levels of consent and pleasures given and taken from individuals to help with their fantasies. Now, the thing that I don't haven't read in any of these is like when you are a top, a master or dom, you are supposed to be giving and receiving pleasure to the sub at their level. And I'm not seeing, cause you remember the oh, rule is, that is super yeah. fair. Not just, yeah. and I think that's what I just said too. In other words right. is like, you right. have to know the level and not do something to these people because you want to, like you right. have to be able to get so turned on and realize that this is not something that they can endure and you have to stop. So yeah, you're right. I, I, think that it again it kind of yeah. says that you're right but they, like you're right we said in the previous episode that a sub is the one in control but in this case the sub doesn't have control unless they're revoking the whole dynamic is what it's saying that generally yeah. is a breakdown and ending for that relationship that's it's fascinating we are going to interview a master that has been doing this for many years love that i'm so um, excited i am too I am really excited to have him on and share his experience and the dynamic that he has built in his life. That's going to be exciting. We're going to move on to a mistress. That's basically for all intents and purposes. It's the female version of master. Right. Yeah. Same thing. Just female identifying 
Yeah. So that was easy. <laughs> yes. Woo! Woo, Thank next. God. I wonder how many people are still like, Jesus Christ, we're only in the M's. <laughs> I know, right? We are skipping down because we're going to go right to P because some of these are redundant by now. The one that I that stood out next was pain slut. That one, I've never heard that term. I've heard cum slut, but not pain slut. So I'm gonna pro- i have not read this yet this is first for both of us i'm probably gonna be a pain slip let's give it a go <laughs> someone who enjoys masochistic behavior including but not limited to being smacked spanked choke and hit by objects impact play yep. this is usually someone who is submissive but not in all cases and really enjoys a lot of physical pain and or humiliation often considered to be someone who just can't get enough pain or torture similar to someone who enjoys lots of sex yes yes <laughs> Hands down, yes. Yep. Uh-huh. Personally, anything privately. I, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, anything we yeah. need to discuss there? Just yes. Nope. Yes. Immediate we got yes. that one. <laughs> um, new ones. This is another term. I've only heard it used a couple of times. Pleasure dom and pleasure sadist. Oh, this one is all over right now. I'm on field. It is all over field right now. So pleasure dom is a dominant who holds control over a submissive's pleasure, typically controlling when they can orgasm or even play with themselves. In this dynamic, pleasure is emphasized and used as a reward. Control is often exerted in the form of edging and or orgasm control, including withholding and forcing orgasms. So I don't know that I identify with this term. Like pleasure doms, the way that people read out in field, the way that they are saying pleasure dom for them is, hey, I'm here for some of the dom stuff, but I don't really like, like I'll spank you, but I'm not going to beat you. And to me, this is different. This is saying more of the control of the orgasm, but the way that I'm reading it from these field profiles is that, yeah, I dip my toe into dom. I'm cool with that but I'm not doing the whole fucking beat you to beat you thing. You know what I mean? And that's the funny thing with that is I think that's why there's so many different terms because I think the people that you are talking about on field is tops, which we'll get to soon that they play dabble, but they're not a dom like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. I just think it's, yeah. If if, if we're going off of what their definition is, then yeah, I can definitely see that. But in my experience, mine only personally, that, that is not what people are talking about. And well, so and I get that. this is another so do definition. That, do you think that they're making their own terms up and thinking they're all cool? Or do you, you I know? think it's, I think I don't, obviously everybody makes up their own terms. Yes. Obviously everybody can time. identify and it might just be that thing where it's, I thought I was this, what the hell did I think earlier I was? And then I read the thing and I was like, oh no, that's not me at all. It, it could be that same thing where you hear the term and you just think that pleasure dom means, yeah, I'm a little dominant. I like spanking. I like the stuff, a little spreader bar here and there, whatever, but I'm not going to beat you. So that sounds reasonable as an explanation as well. So I think that kind of is what I've seen gain traction. And now that has been, I have never seen this version of pleasure. Urban Urban Dictionary actually matches this too. It's about controlling orgasms. So that's interesting. interesting. I do not think that is what most people feel it, it means. And that's okay. Yeah. We've we've learned two, two things. Right. Well, it's a pleasure sadist while we're at it. So So this is more, um, pleasure dom is about restricting until pleasure sadist is like 
I'm going to force you. <laughs> so pleasure sadist is the opposite of the one that likes to withhold orgasms. Pleasure sadist is definitely, no, we're doing all the things, which is like you orgasm and then they still leave the fucking vibrator on your clit or they still suck on your clit after and you're forced to deal with this thing, basically. Or in any scenario, you it's you don't get a break. <laughs> they are going to continue to do all the things. I, 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 well, I've had one of those and it was quite fun. <laughs> I don't, I think I would struggle. Oh, you and I are both very similar in the fact that we're multiple orgasmic and we squirt and everything. But when you're on, a, when I get to a certain point, I roll and roll. And it, it, if I let it just keep going there, it doesn't seem like it will ever end. But it does. That means that the person has to stay in that place and, and keep making you come yeah. or keep it and paying attention to your body. And that's somebody that takes the time and energy. It's fun to me. I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. It. Yeah, I've definitely heard a lot of your stories where I'm like, Jesus, fuck, like that's a fucking lot. I've seen some really hot porns where it's just they're sweating and they're fucking tired and they're done and they are being forced to have orgasm after orgasm. There is something titillating in that for me. Yes. I feel like I would be willing to do that. But in my fantasy is definitely hard BDSM where I'm strapped to a chair, shibari'd up or whatever. I can't have autonomy to get away from it because my initial inclination would be to yeah. try and get away with it. And then just being so physically fucking done by the end in a different way than I generally am as we're speaking right. with the multiple orgasms, but just forced over and over where it's, I'm fucking so exhausted. I'm passing out. I would, I feel like I want to experience that once in my life. Would it be for me forever? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Uh, but I'd, yeah. I'd love to go back there. I would love to get back. I to know. That I know. So it is addicting. It's addicting. It, I have to tell you what we're putting in the universe for you is to have <laughs> that happen again. So we're going to keep moving on. We're going to go to rigor. What's a rigor? So a rigor usually refers to a person who practices the art of bondage. The origin of the term rigor is rooted in sailing, vertical transport industry, and entertainment, where these professionals are commonly responsible for lifting of objects and securing objects at height, hence the connection that people commonly have with suspension bondage. These professions also make for a stronger connection with rope, however, both Suspension and rope are not required parts of what a rigger does. Besides rope, a rigger can also use chains, belts, foil, or other materials to bind a person in a restraining way and potentially suspend them with these or a combination of materials. I have witnessed a massively talented rigger. We're at one of the sex clubs over Christmas. He literally rigged four people into a Christmas tree. Wow. So there, there was a little triangle rigged person. Their little body was folded in the triangle for the top. Next one down was a, a little bit more out. It was incredible. Uh, I would not have wanted, like I was asked to be part of that. And I thought about it for a minute. And then I was like, but then I can't partake in the party. <laughs> it took hours for this scenario. And then to suspend in the air and make it safe for four people. But it was amazing. It's always amazing to me. Always amazing to see the level of skill and talent of a rigger. I think it's fucking amazing. And I would probably be down for it privately, but yeah. I don't think I would be down for it because then you I've have people the, like catch you and shit. And I don't know. I'm good. Yeah, no, thanks. I like, I've had the shibari 
Only a, a harness. I'm not in for making me have handcuffs where I can't move my legs or my feet or my arms. And that's a control factor for me, which someday, yes, maybe I'll be open to it. I haven't been rigged. I always worry. <laughs> this is exactly when I watched my first rigging. The exact thing that went through my head is, what if I have to pee? <laughs> Dude, for reals. Like, for reals. That it's is legit. a for real problem. Like, yeah. Like, Especially if you're at the top of the tree, every guy yeah. come down for you. What if I, I have to like, look, when I have to go, I have to fucking go. I know there's no minutes. So, I have no. minutes, not hours to go. Yeah, yeah, no. And it takes hours sometimes to do these riggings. So no, my bladder yeah. does not. No, yeah, I would let's... like to be a rope model though. You you would be a beautiful rope model. I would love to be a rope model. I do actually have a connection with a photographer who does that. Mm -hmm. I just haven't had the balls to reach out. I absolutely love that artwork. Like I would hang rigging pictures in my house. The, the black percent. and white ones. Yeah. They are percent. so beautiful. Yeah. They'll make me stop and watch and look and see all the details. I, I am fascinated by it. That's definitely an artist eye. But we're going to get on to sadist. What's a sadist? A sadist is a person who enjoys watching or inflicting consensual pain on someone. Pain can take many forms, including but not limited to physical pain, emotional or mental pain, e.g. degradation and or humiliation. So it's just the flip side of a masochist, right? It's the one giving pain versus the one receiving pain. I met my first true sadist who was at a house parties and he, he he's so cute. He just looks like this grandpa kind of thing not that old he's not that old sorry <laughs> but he gets so much pleasure by doing impact play and causing women to squeal and squirm and everything on his crosses and whatnot when he has them underneath the control it is absolutely amazing at the same time you get to see his cherub-like demeanor yeah as he's doing it he really gets off on it i'm just amazed by it and he's been doing it since the 70s we Hopefully we'll have him interviewed. So fingers crossed. I love that. So All what's right. a sadomasochist? Sadomasochist is a person who engages in sadism and masochism. I feel like it's a switch. And I don't think I realized that was the actual, that succinct little tiny little definition yes. is what that meant. I guess I always, again, because I'm the sub, right. I was like sadomasochist. So it's a person that dominates a masochist, but no, it's like they engage in both. Right. So see, see what happens. S&M. They're S&M. <laughs> yes. Okay. So we're going to keep moving on. What's a slave? We're almost done. We're almost done. People hang in there with us. A slave, a person who gives up total control to someone who they are in an agreed upon dynamic and or relationship. So this goes with the master or, or mistress. So in traditional BDSM, the definition above may be considered incomplete or misguiding because slave is a title attributed to a submissive who enters a total authority transfer, therefore effectively and irrevocably transferring all of their agency to their dominant who has the title of master of mistress becoming their property. It is, of course, a consensual process that must be negotiated at length before being entered into. 
Once the slave consents to the authority transfer, they are considered to be entitled to no further right of consent. Their only recourse to the will of their master being to withdraw consent to the dynamic as a whole, therefore ending it. So it's really an all or nothing type of thing. Most often, the judgment, feedback, and personality of a slave are highly valued by their masters who employ a considerable amount of time, effort, and work in the development and happiness of their slaves. Uh, a core BDSM slave has nothing to do with historical slavery or any form of coercion. We definitely need to address that. We're going to move on to swinger. I'm a swinger. swinger. So a swinger, a person who has consensual sex with other people within and outside of their committed relationships. This is a respectful dynamic that, depending on the relationship, works in different ways for different people. There are often... Boundaries that are pre-negotiated between swingers, such as who is able to sleep with whom, how my, how I got into the kink world. I, my husband and I were swingers, although I hate that word and just simply refer to it as lifestyle, which is all encompassing of any type of E&M. So there's that. It was derogatory for so long that, yeah. uh, in, in, that I never wanted to be a swinger. When I heard of people swinging, I was like, oh, that's bad. But that has a lot to do with my upbringing. And now well, you get um, 70s key parties where like you put your keys in a bowl and you have to sleep with, you know, I mean, it's come a long way. I just yeah. wish that the word had come a long way. <laughs> All right. So we're going to do submissives next. I, I know that was slightly out of order, but I, I did okay. it on purpose. A submissive, a person who agrees to submit or give up control in a relationship scene or activity, which is me. In traditional BDSM, core BDSM, a submissive is someone who enters an authority transfer, therefore effectively and irrevocably transferring a negotiable portion of their agency to their dominant. Uh, a submissive does not transfer all of their agency to their dominant. For the parts not included in the authority transfer, there is no submission. Uh, submission is a consensual process best negotiated at length before being entered into. Once the submissive consents to the authority transfer, though, within the areas of submission, they are not entitled to further right of consent, and their only recourse to the will of their dominant is to withdraw consent to the dynamic, therefore ending it. I don't know if I agree with this one either. I do for not the core BDSM. It doesn't go that deep for me. Right. And there's definitely, obviously, authority transfer, but I don't feel like me withdrawing my consent or negotiating for me is not a thing necessary for me to be submissive. I mean, I guess it is, but it's not in the traditional, we're going to sit down and have this one conversation and we're going to have a contract or we're going to figure this all out. I'm just naturally submissive to dominant men, but I definitely, I'm like, so that's a boundary. Yeah. That's a boundary. Right. No. Whatever. And I can do it in a submissive way of daddy. I don't like that though. And in that relationship, that's an understanding already between me and my dom that he were, it's okay. I hear you, baby. We're not going to do that. You know what I mean? For this level, the submissive, a person who agrees to submit or give up control in a relationship, senior activity for sure. But I think there's so many levels of being submissive. There is. And there's actually hundreds of names that they associate it with submission. You can be a submissive and actually have a specific title or role in that I was reading. The one that I was really wanting to focus on that I thought was different in the submissive role, but you're reading to see a lot lately is pillow princess. Are you a pillow princess? No. So I don't like that term. I know. Uh, 
The, no, not. hang on. But the definition of it is that it is described somebody as mostly an LGBTQ woman who prefers to receive stimulation rather than give it. That is fucking bizarre that they attach that directly to the LGBTQIA. LGBTQ. And a woman? No, that to me, a pillow princess or a pillow prince is somebody that does not actively, it's yes, like likes to receive, yeah. but then doesn't really, is like a dead fish in the bed. Yeah, like, like doesn't doll. really, like, yeah, just, just like, service me and then just make me come. But I don't really want to put any effort in it. Otherwise, it's not to me. I never would have identified with. I don't know. I don't like it. I don't I like don't pillow even, princesses. That came from definition. That came from the slang terminology off of de- definition.com, which is interesting. I just why I wanted to bring it up because I've never, I'd always I've associated it as somebody that just lays there, basically. Yeah. Yeah. That's Want. how yeah. every person that has ever said that. And generally, we're speaking of men because right. women don't really say pillow prince, but I think I'm going to know. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking for sure, because uh, I can recognize in my life that there's been a couple pillow princes, and that's that that's not a thing anymore. Yeah, it just feels very one sided to me. It, it's yes. always been from a man speaking derogatorily regarding a woman that is just basically a dead fish and just like lays there in bed, and they have to do all the work. And yeah, they come, but it's she doesn't do anything. So I don't know. That's a whole. So when reading more about this, the actual history of it, the origin of it was evidence of the pillow princess appeared in the early 1990s and an LGBTQ media about lesbian dating. In 1992, one publication, Devonair, defined a type of dynamic in lesbian relationship where the butch would initiate and give oral pleasure. So it goes back to the 1990s. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's never, ever for me in my personal life ever been connected directly Ah. to lgbtqia in 2010 the mainstream press began to use pillow princess in heterosexual context helping bring the phrase fully into the mainstream publications websites are using it for both male and female like maxim marie claire you tango and elite daily have started to use it and not necessarily as lgbtq that's why we know it as that now yeah, I mean, that that makes sense to me. I yeah. never, ever have heard it that way. So, yeah, that's interesting. Interesting. Very interesting. Our next one is Switch. That's me. That's me. That's me. You what? are much more a Switch than I am, for <laughs> sure. But I am a bit of a Switch. Like, I don't have problems being the dominant and pegging. Like, I think it's fucking great. I don't get the opportunity to do it very often. Or anal play in general with a guy can be very switch type thinking. But so a person who participates in relationship scenes and activities as a top dominant or a bottom submissive, depending on their mood, partner, or the situation, some switches enjoy changing their power dynamic during the scene. So very both, sadomasochist, both, both, right? We'll do it all. And we we lean into it hard. I think the qualities of a good switch, an authentic switch, is their true, just innate, I'll do both. I want to do both. I want to experience both. I'm like going back to the pleasure dom of like a maybe me. I would be like a pleasure switch. If they <laughs> ask me to, then yeah, for sure. Am I going to naturally do it? No. Because then that leads into like mommy feelings for me. And I don't want, I definitely had a connection. Maybe I am a bit more of a cougar than I thought with a younger <laughs> person, a younger male 
in their twenties. And Hey, I went out to my community and I was like, look, I'm having a really hard time. This kid is like my son's age. What is it? And what I was told, which was the best thing possible was that as the elder in the relationship, it is your responsibility to leave them in a better scenario than when you found them. So that means mentally, emotionally, physically. And I was like, okay, I can wrap my mind around that. But definitely there's a Brazilian guy out there that calls me mommy. And likes me to tell him what to do. And what do you want to see today, mommy? And it's like the mommy, how they say it in Latin cultures, papi, mommy, that type of thing. Like mommy, it just fucking geeks me out. But yeah, like I'll participate in that. But it's also a removed thing because I know I'm never going to meet this person. It's never going to be a thing. And it's just the way that they respond brings me such joy. So a switch in certain situations. I think I'm much more comfortable being a switch when I'm never going to meet them physically for some reason, because I I think it's a boundary for me. Like I know my confines, like what that border looks like for me. When you get into the sex stuff and I'm fucking beating somebody, I'm like, oh, but I won't be beaten. How come I'm not getting beaten? (laughs) I'm less of a switch in actual physical sex than I am in uh, other areas of my life. Wow. I don't think we've ever discussed it that way, huh? No, we haven't. Not for you because you we know how much I'm a switch. I did a test, which we will have the test that I take with FetLife. They have a test. I will have the link to that in our show notes for you guys to find out what you are after learning all these. But we have two more descriptions. We did not cover top, even though we covered top so many times. So let's get into it. We're almost done. Top. In kink, this usually refers to a person who takes on an active role of providing stimulation or facilitating play for the bottom. The top carries out the execution of kink on the giving end with the bottom on the receiving end. Note that unlike a dominant, a top does not necessarily have to assume control or engage in power play. And as an umbrella role, often the role is also used as umbrella term by people who feel that their role is not as rigid as other power dynamic roles or because it changes from connection to connection. As an umbrella term, it usually is used when the person carries out, gives control or controls the play. This is reflected in other roles like leather top, needle top, rope top, service top, who use the top to indicate that they are the person giving a specific type of play to another person. There's also as an LGBTQIA plus community role. And in that, it's the term is also used for the partner who performs penetration in sex or a person who generally prefers to perform it rather than receive it. So the giver without the call me daddy. Yeah. There you go. Just more. I just, I derive, like, I feel as crazy as this sounds saying it out of my mouth hole. I definitely feel like my husband's a top as gentle as he is, as much as he doesn't identify as a dom or a cuck holder, any of the stuff he will take pleasure, but his main source of pleasure is giving it to people. So he loves eating pussy. He loves making me come. He loves just, he could go without sex. Not that he would want to. He is happy in servicing and giving and doing that stuff. So I would say he is, he's a top and not, and it's not in a submissive way. He might submit his body in certain things, but definitely I think he's a a top. Yeah. Yeah, I think my past lover that I had, he was definitely a, a top and I gave my whole body to him. But at the same time, he gave 
way more in that traditional sense. He didn't want to own me or be a master to me. He just wanted to give pleasure and he was always on top, you know, I mean, not physically, but mostly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we come down to our very last one. What do you think it is? It's so I'm going to add one after this, but voyeur, a person who enjoys watching others, usually in a sexual context without engaging with them. I'm a huge voyeur. My husband's a huge voyeur. I don't I know too. many that aren't a huge voyeur. And I think that's great. Some people don't. Totally fine. I'm just like, for me, it's another avenue for me to witness something that I might be interested in. So I'm all about the watching. But, but. I will say on the flip side. If people are wanting to be a voyeur to me, uh-huh. no, <laughs> I'm too, no. Like I've, we've talked about this. I've only had sex in a sex club after it's closed because I was dating an owner, which was amazing. I can't, I don't like people watching me, but I love watching people. So there you go. I love it. I love it. Yes. All right. Well, what about I'm you? Are voyeur. you a voyeur? I love, I yeah. am a voyeur. I am 100% a voyeur. I just went to a bathhouse the other day and enjoyed watching from afar. And I didn't partake because I wasn't in the mood and I generally go with a lover anyways, but it was really fun. I got to sit and watch and enjoy all of it. Oh my God. I get so weird. fucking turned on. Yeah. It, it was wonderful with spank, all that. Spank, material. You spank, bank material. You're right. <laughs> I, love I love it. All right. What is our last one that you're going to throw at me? Last one I really wanted to address because I really identify as this type of thing. And I don't think that it's like out there in the mainstream, but worshiper. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So person who fervently reveres and admires people they feel devoted to. So I am a worshiper in my relationships. I very much have a healthy uh, opinion of me and my sexual Especially within as a worshiper within like the sexual aspect of me, my partners right now are hard pressed to find other partners that will worship them the way that I do because I'm an all in kind of gal where Mm -hmm. I want you to know I ask for it. Can I please can I have thigh time? I want to worship your thighs. Can I have cock time? I want to worship your cock. Can I, I just really put into that just really letting them know. That, but in a healthy way, right? Like in a healthy way, which it can be unhealthy at times. I have had it definitely unhealthy at times for me. So I have to be really on point with what my intentions are or what my reasoning rationality behind it is. But no, like I, I worship my partners wow, more than I they've ever that. experienced. And so that brings me joy. And go ahead, try and replace me. No one's going to fucking worship you more than me. And you fucking know it. And I've I've said that and I stand by that. It has nothing to do with my ability to have compersion for them. I want them to go out. I want them to have a good time, but I just get to healthily say there's no one like me. So there you go. (laughs) A little bit of an ego boost there. (laughs) Love that. Actually, I really do. We covered a lot and I know that this is a lot of information, but hopefully you enjoyed hearing our point of view. But now you're a little more educated about the different types of roles that you can have in this world so that when we start throwing these terms out there. Yeah, it just provides a better informational base, I think, for some of the people. Obviously, I think more people that are listeners have more experience in and around this stuff. But you and I honestly have been getting around to a lot of people and giving like I leave cards out everywhere I go for orgasm 
my tourist. It is my main thing because I am so bad at advocating for myself face to face. I just passively leave our business cards everywhere. And we have gotten, I know, a bunch of listeners. So here it is. Here's the education for them and get just more of an informational understanding when we do proceed forward past this, because now we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of stuff. So just a general teaching. And we hope that everybody found it helpful and, and informational. And we're not saying that we are in any way correct in all of these terms. This was terms provided. I think that we've been very non-biased and, hey, I never knew that this is how that was. This is what my understanding was. And so that is always the goal that we try and have is just always let's educate. So hopefully everybody will find this educational (laughs) and not boring. I think they will. I think they will. Thank you. Let's go ahead and say, go be good humans. Go be good humans, guys. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening and supporting our podcast. You can listen to us on Spotify and iTunes and, of course, on our website at orgasmictourist.com. Please don't forget to help us out by sharing our podcast and leaving a five-star review. As always, you can send us an email with your questions and comments to orgasmictourist at gmail.com.